Hello, everyone, and welcome to your Christadelphian Library, where we discuss Christadelphian books with the goal of expanding biblical knowledge and stimulating spiritual thought. This is Brother Seth Robinson, who's going to be looking at the book God Manifestation, or Theophany, by Brother C.C. Walker. This book was first put together as a series of articles in the Christadelphian magazine from 1923 to 1928. It was then compiled together into a book and published in 1929 under the title Theophany. It wasn't until around 1990 that it was republished under the title God Manifestation, which has the same general meaning but is easier for the modern reader to understand. The subject of God Manifestation is an incredibly large topic as it looks at how God reveals himself. That being said, the topic of God manifestation is very difficult to cover as there are so many different aspects to it. It covers anything from the character of God and how that character is revealed through events and individuals in the scripture, to the revealing of God's plan through types and symbols, and even the showing forth of his purpose through Bible prophecy. In essence, the entirety of the Bible is the manifestation of God in some way or another. Brother C.C. Walker starts off in this book by looking at the name of God. He considers the history of the name and why the Jews refused to use the Yahweh name, and rather refer to him as Adonai. He then walks the reader through the history of this, and how it originated, and how that led people to refer to God as Jehovah instead of Yahweh. Of course, the reason he goes through this is to show what God's name truly is, and in doing so, reveal the meaning and ultimate purpose of God as shown through his name. Brother Walker then moves on and gives a brief summary of the events in the lives of the faithful of old and how those events revealed the plan and purpose of the Heavenly Father. He walks the reader through events such as the burning bush, Israel's battle with Amalek, the manna provided in the wilderness, and dozens of other stories that we find in the scripture and how they reveal God's purpose. He then moves on to the prophets and the different books of the New Testament and outlines the message of each book and shows what the purpose behind each book was and how the author was working to further God's message and ultimately his character to the reader. I found this book very simple and very straightforward, but at the same time, incredibly deep in its message. It gives the reader insight into who God is and how he works with his servants to bring about his purpose on earth. And of course, while the message itself is simple, he writes in a way that gives you the keys to various sections in the scripture that allow you to look deeper than you may have previously seen. The benefit of this is that you can read through each section and get a basic understanding of of select sections of scripture, or you can use it as a stepping stone to get that deeper understanding of the story behind the story. The chapters in this book are a bit longer than what is 
easily readable in short spurts throughout the day, but after the first few chapters, there are numerous subsections that make for good stopping points. I'd like to read for you one section that he has on the book of Romans. He says, The gospel of God, promised afore by his prophets concerning his son Jesus Christ, was ministered in great Rome by the apostle Paul to Roman Jews and Gentiles alike. All were naturally sinners and condemned to death, equally helpless and hopeless before the eternal. The sins of the Roman Gentile world were licensed to all, but could the Jews boast? No. The law, though he was circumcised, convicted him also of sin. In fact, God had said so by the prophet when foretelling the better times of Jesus Christ. Had the Jews then no advantage? Was there no profit in circumcision? Certainly they had much every way chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. These justified God, convinced Jew and Gentile alike of sin, and introduced the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, whom God had set forth as a propitiatory through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God that God might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Thus, boasting was excluded and God's mercy magnified. Abraham was justified by faith when uncircumcised, and so was the father of all, according to the promise, whether Jew or Gentiles. Being then justified by faith, like Abraham, obedient believers of the gospel had peace with God and access to divine favor and hope of glory to come. Reconciled to God by the death of his son, they should be saved through his life. Just as one man, Adam, had brought death into the world by disobedience, so one man, the second Adam, had brought life by obedience. Sin had indeed reigned unto death, but God's grace had reigned through righteousness unto eternal life. Then sin was rather a good thing after all. Was that so? No. And we could not continue in sin, for we had in baptism symbolically died unto sin and had been risen to newness of life in Christ. The wages of sin was death, but the gift of God was eternal life through Jesus Christ. Believing Jews had become dead to the law by baptism into Jesus Christ. But the law was holy and just and good, and manifested sin against which struggled in the flesh. Christ's obedient friends were free from condemnation, They were not in the flesh in the sense of not living after the flesh. Nevertheless, though adopted sons and daughters of God, and in many cases partakers of the Holy Spirit, they groaned in the bondage of corruption, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, waiting for the ultimate adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. But, says Paul, If God be for us, 
who can be against us? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ unless it be our own lapse from faith and obedience. It is truly amazing how he is able to sum up such a large book full of different concepts and ideas into a few short paragraphs that gives the reader that has never fully really considered a thorough summary of the book, but at the same time gives the student a reminder of the different aspects and struggles that face the brothers and sisters in Rome. I'd like to close by reading some comments on this book by Brother Michael Ashton. He says, God's successive revelations to men and women of his plan and purpose and the place in it for his faithful children declares that he is a God of mercies and forgivenesses. A consideration of this magnificent subject should be encouraged by every reader to the development within himself of the spirit of humility displayed by his Savior, who recognized the majesty of the Father, yet was able to say, I and my Father are one. That hope is held out to all who attempt to follow where the Lord has led. This book is commenced to a new generation of readers in the hope that they will see more clearly the manner of persons we ought to be in all holy conversation and godliness.